0: There's one day of the year when love is celebrated in abundance. Big red hearts passed to all of our friends, bags of the best chocolate consumed by the pound, cards, candy, nice meals, surprise gifts. It's lavish and lovely and reminds us of all the good things. But what does love look like when it spills to every other day of the year? Maybe it's food banks always stocked, hard conversations over hot cups of coffee, holding the hand of a stranger. Sticking it out through hard times. Sitting in grief, it's not even yours. Delivering hope through a simple card. Laughter and goodwill. Provision, protection, patience. Forgiveness before it's asked. Walking a mile in another's shoes. We know this kind of love because we saw it. Love is the son willing to hang on the cross. The God willing to die in our place. The Father who had a plan to save His children from the moment He created us. You we were always on His heart and still are every day of the year.
1: Will you pray with me please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest, our morning joy, and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your grace and truth into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. When I was a teenager, I had severe acne on my face. The kind of acne that would lead my parents and myself to go to a dermatologist and receive special medication. The medication was effective, perhaps... Too much so. So instead of having all little red bumps all over my face, because of the medication I was receiving, I had flaky white skin all over my face. It was great. It was a long process. But uh, despite that flaw, I tried my best to be a pleasant, polite, and somewhat popular young man. I also had a pension for flirting with girls in my grade, and apparently... My charms could not be resisted, at least by one particular ninth grade girl. Love was blind. This girl became my girlfriend. And yes, I'm an air quote kind of preacher. At that time in that place, to have a girlfriend meant that you were nice to each other. That you said hi to each other in the hallway. That you might uh, write a note to one another, perhaps giving a compliment or making plans. And it certainly meant that you called each other on the telephone. Now this was a corded telephone that had push buttons on it. And thankfully the cord on our phone that uh, was between the kitchen area and the dining room area was on the wall and had a long cord that hung down. And it was right beside the sliding glass door. And so you could answer the phone or you could make a call on the phone and you could open that sliding glass door, walk out onto the back deck, close that sliding glass door behind you and have a little privacy. That's how it used to work back in the day. Now having a girlfriend also meant that you would attend Friday evening sports together, the local high school. And it was basketball season. And so off we go to the basketball game together. Actually, I walked to the game because I didn't live that far from the high school and I met her there. And we sat together next to each other in the bleachers. Now, local custom in northern Iowa where I attended middle school and high school was this, that when you were on date night, uh, no one sat next to you. No one sat directly behind you or in front of you. In fact, there was kind of like this little bubble of separation. It was almost like you were COVID spacing. But in any case, that was kind of there. Uh, the kids at that day would say, this is your time together. So we're just kind of leave you be. But it also meant that there was a lot of attention paid to you. And the parents that sat on the opposite side of the gym could see who was dating whom and if it was sanctioned or not. My friend noticed my girlfriend and I on one of our dates at the local high school gym during the basketball game and said, you guys are kind of interesting. He said, when you guys talk to each other, you're sitting beside each other, but you're not facing each other. And so when you talk, you're just looking straight away. And you're talking a lot, but you're not turning to each other and facing one another. Why is that? And I said to him, I don't know. Why don't you go Facebook stalk someone else's relationship, creeper? (laughs) Actually, I didn't say that because Facebook hadn't been invented. It won't be invented for 15 years. But I kind of dismissed it in short fashion. Truth be told, I knew exactly why I said what I did. I didn't turn and face my girlfriend during our date nights in the high school gym because I was ashamed of the way I looked at the time. And when I saw her, I saw this face of beauty. And when I considered myself, I thought to myself, boy, I'm unworthy to have such a beautiful girlfriend. Now, for those of you who perhaps are in middle school or high school, for those of you who might have acne, I want to share with you that it's not your fault. That there certainly are treatments and things you can do to help, but if you were like me, there was not much that could really offer much relief. I had to struggle with this for about three years or so. But it gets better. And your true beauty, your true handsomeness come from the inside. The presence of God that lives within you because of your baptism. Your Christian character that you portray and show to others. Your unique personality and giftedness. All those things make up your inner beauty and that's expressed on the outside in the way that you treat other people. Those who will be worth your time will see that, appreciate that, and they'll want to be with you because of that. Never settle for that which is only superficial. Look for that inner beauty. Be a person who possesses that inner beauty. So what does this personal testimony about my pimples in high school have to do with anything? Well, stay tuned. There's more to come. And you'll see the connection a little later in the message. Friends, as you know and as you can be feeling and as you've experienced, uh, we are in the midst of the winter season. We're in the middle of winter here in mid-Michigan, but we're at the end of a church season called Epiphany. Despite the cold temperatures outside and the darker cycles of light, uh, epiphany is a season of light. Epiphany is also a season of revelation. Light and revelation. Jesus Christ being the light of the world, who would be born as a baby in the manger to show to God's people that he was indeed their promised Messiah. Jesus as the embodiment of love who would be visited by the Magi, who saw a light in the sky and followed it to the place where Jesus was. Demonstrating that Jesus was not only Messiah to God's chosen people, but a Savior for all people. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the embodiment of love. Jesus highlighted and celebrated again this Epiphany season. It's in this kind of a season where we also take note of a special historical event that happened with Jesus and his disciples. Vicker Berg read this earlier from Mark chapter 9. The transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of a high mountain. And there, as they're communing there, hanging out there, perhaps praying there, Jesus' face is suddenly and supernaturally changed in front of them. This startles Peter, James, and John. And then there's a a cloud that covers them on this mountain, the voice of affirmation from the Heavenly Father, attesting to the sonship of Jesus. And Peter, overwhelmed and overcome by this majestic moment, says, hey, let's set up camp. Or build a shelter for you, Lord. And not only that... But special guest appearances by Moses, the embodiment of the law of the Lord from the Old Testament. And Elijah, the embodiment of the prophets from the Old Testament. So there's Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. There's Peter, James, and John. And Peter says, I want to remember this moment. So Lord, let me build some shelters for all of us. So we can hang out a little longer. So we can hold on to this moment together. But Jesus denies Peter's request. Speaking of Moses, we recall Exodus 34, the Old Testament reading for this morning, recording those moments when Moses would be on top of another mountain, Mount Sinai, communing with the Lord God. Sometimes there was a cloud above there. Sometimes lightning or flashes of light would shine forth from this mountaintop experience. And it would be there in these moments where Moses would receive certain commands and special instructions that he was to share with God's people, the Israelites, that would help guide them in their wilderness wandering on their way to the promised land. When Moses would come down from the mountain, from these mountaintop experiences with the Lord, his face would reflect the grandeur and the glory of God. So much so that the folks at the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites, God's people, were frightened by this. They were concerned by this. They were unsure about this. So what did Moses do? Moses would cover his face with a veil so that he wouldn't frighten God's people and so that he could communicate the commands and special instructions that the Lord God wanted to share with his chosen people. Are you starting to sense the connection now? When faced with the presence and the power and the glory and the grandeur of God, the Israelites felt unworthy, even afraid to look at the face of Moses whose appearance was reflecting his time with the Lord. It makes me wonder about you, about me, about us here gathered today. It makes me wonder about our spiritual complexion. I wonder what the appearance of our hearts and minds and lives would reveal about ourselves if we encountered God right here and right now, face to face. Would the pimples of our past sin hidden underneath the surface start a silent war with our souls? Or would the flaky skin of our present struggles appear above the surface, visible to others, and be a source of guilt or shame for ourselves? Boy, I could have used a veil during those high school dates. How much more so? A veil to hide the struggles of my past and the current struggles I'm experiencing from the Lord. If God were to show up right here and right now, would we reach for our coat, reach for our masks, or try to cover ourselves or hide ourselves from the presence of the Lord? It wouldn't be the first time we made that move, you know? Recall back in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of it all with Adam and Eve. They're created to live in the eternal presence of the Lord. At peace with God, at peace with one another, provided an excellent garden to enjoy, to work, to take care of. There was just one condition. Don't eat of the knowledge, excuse me, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam and Eve could not resist. There was a temptation from that serpent, the deceiver, the devil, to be sure. But Adam and Eve, wanting to become like God themselves, wanting to make the rules for themselves, not content with what God had provided for them. Make this choice. Make this move. Rebel against the Lord. And because of that, they feel something. They experience something that they've never felt before. Guilt. Shame. Something different. There was... A division between themselves and the Lord God right now. They realized that they were unworthy and they realized that God was still righteous. And it wasn't God who changed, but it was themselves who experienced this change. And because of that, they tried to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Friends, thanks be to God that we do not have to scramble to hide ourselves or cover our sins because God has made a way for us to see him, to experience him, and to be embraced by him. Hear the word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The old way with the laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When we acknowledge our sins, our selfishness, our shortcomings, when we repent of those sins and turn to the Lord, God, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, takes that veil of separation away. And he gives us the forgiveness of our sins and assures us of his promise that he will be with us forever. Peter, James, and John needed no veil with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and it would be Jesus' death on the cross on another mount, Mount Calvary, where Jesus... Death, sacrifice, substitutionary atonement for you and for me would cover our sins and actually tear another veil, the veil that separated the presence of God from the people of God in the local temple. That veil was torn in two from top to bottom. As if to say, Jesus is now our intercessor between us and God the Father. And because of that, there is no need for a veil that separates. Because of that, there is no more shame and guilt over our past sins. Because of that, there is help and power from God himself in our present struggles. All because of Jesus Friends, when Christ returns, we will see God the Father as He is, and He will see us as we are, but through the sacrifice and substitution of His Son. We won't have to look away. We won't have to look straight away. We won't have to turn away. God will be our God. He and we will be His people. We will be able to hang out with him and hold on to him and we will be able to experience his eternal embrace all because of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting tired of wearing these things all the time. Sometimes I forget them when I go into the store and I have to go back to the car. Sometimes I'm already in the car on the way to work or work somewhere else and I realize I don't have a mask in the car and so I have to turn around and go get it. How refreshing will it be when we don't have to worry about these anymore but instead we'll be able to see each other face to face? How refreshing will it be when we're able to greet each other and shake hands with each other without knuckle bumping or elbow bumping or head nodding? How refreshing will it be when we'll be able to embrace one another, our family and friends and communicate that acceptance, warmth and love by hugging one another. I look forward to that time. Friends, how refreshing is it for us as God's people knowing that one day when the time is right we will see our Heavenly Father face to face. No mask needed. No veil Required because the old order of things will have passed away. No more guilt, no more shame. Just the presence of God and the presence of God's people together for eternity, all made possible because of Jesus. Friends, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we do not need to feel guilty, but instead we're encouraged to feel grateful. We do not need to feel unworthy. But instead we are encouraged to be thankful and we do not need to worry about the appearance of our past sins but rather humbly repent of all our sins and receive the forgiveness of Christ that eliminates that separation between us and our Father in heaven. Because with Jesus it turns out that love is not blind. And all God's people said, Amen.